Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast. My name is Andrew Roberts. Matthew Tyfke here, guys. And honestly, I kind of want to skip the chit chat, really, because we're just coming off of a fresh interview um, that you guys are about to hear, and my heart's still racing. It was a bit overwhelming for me. <laughs> um, uh, Matt, who do we have on the podcast today? Cord Shiflet. And who is Cord Shiflet? So Cord is um, the top producing agent in Austin, mm-hmm. and he's been that way, I think, fifteen years in a row. Some, maybe not exactly that, but he's been top three. Basically, his whole career. Yeah. Um, he sold $100 million worth of real estate last year. That's nuts. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I like, that's like, it's like, uh, it's unimaginable to me. Like, I can't fathom, you know, that amount um, of of sales, really, in real estate. Right. And um, even even other than the money, you just think about the, the different world that he's in. The, right type of people that he's around and the properties that he's showing. I mean, these are the best of the best in Austin, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 15, $30 million properties. Yeah. Yeah. And when you hear that, like you'd think that like, you know, someone who's that successful in any industry will be, I don't know, maybe full of themselves or, you know, riding high. And he came in here and he's just the nicest dude. Like he's honestly a real sweetheart. Yeah. Um, he's a family man. And, uh, you know, you can really tell, I mean, the listeners, you know, it's going to be hard for them because they're just listening to this. They can't be in person with them. But, like, when people make eye contact, it really means a lot. And for him to take, you know, time out of his busy day and, you know, come talk to us was huge. And that that alone, you know, means the world to us for sure. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, when you're selling that much property, what's his time worth per hour? Sure. Oh, I mean, yeah. a lot. Yes. And yeah. uh, he just came and, you know, like you said, nice guy. He he uh, came and sat down with us at our office and hung out for 45 minutes. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, unlike most of you listening, he is a born and raised Austinite, which, you know, is a unicorn in these days. And so he really loves this city and uh, loves the people in it. And it was awesome to hear his story and really, you know, his journey in real estate and what kind of led him to the the success that he's had today. So all to say, very cool. Cord, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, without further ado, Mr. Cord, Shiflet. This podcast is provided by Tree Homes Property Management. If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, whether it's one episode or half an episode, you've probably figured out that Matt, my co-host, owns this company, Tree Homes Property Management, and I am his marketing director for that company. And what we do is we help real estate investors and homeowners with their full-service property management. So that includes finding renters. That includes collecting rent and depositing it into your bank account. And that includes full maintenance on all of your properties, making sure they're up to code, making sure that you're getting the most out of your investment. So that's what we do. We love it. We fully believe in everything that we do. And you know our mission here is really just to provide homeowners and renters a world-class property management service. And you know, our vision is to create and facilitate opportunities for financial freedom. Like, that's the goal with our company, and that's why we created this podcast. 
If you guys have any questions about our company or what we do, feel free to look us up online. Our website is www.trehomes.com. That's tree with one E, homes.com. If you're thinking about getting invested in real estate or have some properties that you already own, we are happy to help in any way that we can. Whether that's just hopping on a phone call or corresponding through email with some free advice, just let us know. We're happy to be your go-to guys. Cord, thank you so much for being here uh, with Matt and I. The listeners have gotten to know you through through the intro, and what we want to do is we want to dive into your story a little bit more. So obviously, uh, you are um, a successful uh, real estate professional here in the Austin area. Are you from Austin originally? Yeah, born and raised. No way! Not many of us. Wow, <laughs> me too. That's really cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Where did you go to high school? Westlake. Oh, man. <laughs> what are you? We, uh, uh, Matt and I both uh, grew up in the Round Rock area, so we went to I've Round Rock it, High yeah. School. <laughs> 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 um, that's awesome. So did you, have you stayed in Austin the whole time? Uh, we did a quick move out to Lockhart when, before I was even in elementary school and moved to East Texas during a little bit in junior high, but uh, I mean, I missed one year of school here. Gotcha. Anyway. Okay. Born and raised all my life. That's <laughs> sure, yeah. easy enough. And so working in the real estate industry, did you go to a college after high school? Uh, yeah, I did the tour of Austin. Started at St. Ed's, uh, went to ACC, got my grades up, got into UT, and was I've been on 22-year scholastic probation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's cool. Um, that's awesome. So um, what, I guess now that we're at this point of uh, post-college in your story, what kind of drove you or inspired you to start working in the real estate industry? I've kind of always been an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, starting in, in uh, junior high, but uh, always did odd jobs and always wanted to work for myself um, in both high school and college. High school, I washed cars for people. My friends were, you know, flipping burgers and I was making 20 bucks an hour, uh, you know, washing cars. They were making three twenty-five an hour. So I've just, I've, I've always enjoyed chasing money and being my own boss. In college, my mother had been a realtor and uh, uh, quit, let her, la- let her license lapse. We were at dinner with family friends, and one, the guy was trying to talk my mom into getting her license to list their home. And it was the summertime, and I was just sitting there doing the math in my head, and I was like, man, if this guy will let me get my license, I can sell his house this summer, million dollar house, make thirty grand. Like That's a pretty good summer gig. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> so I just straight up asked him, and he was thrilled. He's like, absolutely. So I went and got my license in three weeks. Listed his house and uh, sold his house and helped him buy another one and I made I think it was around forty five grand just in that summer and that just put the hook in me so sure that was your first real estate deal yeah wow yeah that's pretty cool it was uh, a we we actually we sold his house for it was like three hundred thousand and then he bought another one that was around a million so wow that's awesome and what did your dad do dad was uh, it still is an architect and then he got into developing in the eighties. Uh, retired and then got back into architecture in the 90s. So I've grown up with houses. They're just in my blood. We've moved, I think if the count is right, 53 times in my life. So we were rich, we were poor, we were buying something, we were building something, we were specking something. I mean, you name it. Uh, we just bounced all over the place. Sure, so. yeah. And so, did your mom? I mean, obviously, I I, I know uh, you just mentioned that that story of you know the first real estate deal. But did your mom ever um, kind of encourage you to to start working in real estate or? You know, uh, but both my parents did. They they always uh, uh, encouraged me to do anything. I remember it was so cool in college. Uh, before I went into college, I I told my parents, I was like, I want to go to L.A. I want to be an actor. And my dad was awesome. He was like, I will not pay for you to go to college until you do that. 
Uh, and he said, I always wished I had done that and I've always regretted it. So, you know, most parents, you know, you go right to school and they make you, you know, get right into college. But yeah. mine were really cool. They were like, no, do what you want to do. Get that out of your system. Wow. Make sure you're ready for college. So anyway, I went to L.A. for like three months and tucked my tail and ran back home. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was really funny, though, with the businesses. Uh, uh, they were always kind of like, gosh, you know, school, school. But um, uh Real estate worked well because I could do it in my free time. I could do it on weekends. People look at houses kind of after hours, you know, when usually you're not in school. So, so it worked well um, at first when it was just kind of a, you know, here and there home sale. But mm-hmm. I quickly dove in with both feet. School went by the wayside fast. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, I've talked about this before about a lot of people go to college because they want to get a degree so they can get a job and make money. But if you're already making money, you know, why, why go to school, right? You know, that's, I remember I was sitting in, sitting in an economics class, and uh, this is probably so crappy to say, but I remember looking at the professor, and I was like, this guy makes whatever, 50, 60 grand a year. I'm making a lot more than that. Why am I sitting in this class? I, you know, <laughs> I need to be out there working. Sure. So uh, uh, I'm a lot different than a lot of people, but I'm, I'm a, I think school teaches you what you need to know. UT taught me what I needed to know. It was, you know, I did not need school. I, and I'm a good people person. I'm a good sales guy. And, uh, you know, nothing that I do in selling houses could I have learned in college. So sure. it just wasn't for me. I gotcha. Yeah. I find that very cool that your parents were so supportive. Yeah, and, they're awesome. And, you know, you going out to L.A. And uh, you say getting that out of your system, but... You know, I believe everything happens for a reason, and so learning that uh, maybe that wasn't the path that um, was right for you. And obviously, I mean, you know, years later down the road um, with your success, obviously this has been the right path for you. Did you grow up with any siblings, or are you an only child? Yeah, no, I've got one brother, Cole. He's uh, 13 months younger than me, so we're, uh, what do they call Irish twins or whatever, but anyway, we're, we're, we're super close. Cool. Did you find yourself as being kind of the the leader and the older brother? We, uh, as close as we are, we could not be more opposite in everything we do. So uh, my brother was an uh, incredible golfer and, uh, and, and really followed that. He uh, very openly would, wouldn't mind me saying this, but he got into drugs and a whole bunch of mess in uh, high school and college and kind of wrecked the golf stuff. Um, wrecked a lot of things in life, but um, out of that, he now runs drug recovery centers. So, That's so anyway, awesome. he was the... The disaster kid, I was the golden kid. We both hated each other for different reasons of, you know, what we could get away with and why we were liked or unliked by, by parents at times. But uh, anyway, super opposites. But right, yeah. I all gotcha. get along well. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, everything happening for a reason. Obviously, you know, we don't wish, um, you know, bad on anybody, but <laughs> obviously your brother turned it into to something great. Where he oh, he's awesome. People. He truly goes all over the world doing interventions and saving people's lives and owns a great little recovery center Saves lives every day. It's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. What drove, or I mean, what led you to stay in Austin? Was it uh, because of business, or was it because you love the city, or? Well, it was, it was a little bit of all of those things. Um, what going to LA taught me, you know, that was this big pie in the sky. Everyone wants to be famous and be right. in the movies or whatever. So I went out and did that. But what it taught me is how I had never been out of Austin. I mean, you know, for any period of time or moved away from Austin. And it really taught me to appreciate my hometown and what we have here, mm-hmm. uh, the people here, the sincerity, how genuine everyone is. And so, um, you know, I really learned to love and appreciate what I had back here in Austin. So I kind of couldn't get back here fast enough. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. You know, I was going to say that first, you know, uh, real estate deal uh, that you had, what kind of inspired you to get in the industry? 
was somewhat kind of handed to you, right? It was a family friend. Mm-hmm. Was there a deal after that that kind of like you ha- had to fight for and somewhat learn a, a maybe some sales techniques? And what made you into you know who you are today? Yeah. So quick story on that. It's, it's it may be kind of interesting to to, to you guys. The, the family friend that was asking me to get my, uh, that, that allowed me to get my license that summer uh, was a famous country and western singer, Larry Gatlin of the Gatlin Brothers. Yeah. So all the gold in California. And uh, they lived next door to us for several years and we, we were very good friends. So I got to ride the coattails of having a you know, famous client as my first client. So we were able to use that in the media and, you know, put his house up for sale and, and made a little bit bigger splash than probably most people are able to get right out of the gates. After I did that, my broker, Emily Moreland, who I've been with from day one, 22 years now, you know, she was having me look at this big map and kind of decide where I was going to market my business and send my flyers and all of that. And she wanted me because of my age to do Millwood and I didn't, and I don't know that I could still find Millwood on a map, but anyway, <laughs> no, I, I could, but you know, she was like, you know, you're young, you're going to have a lot of first time buyers. This is their price range. I was like, no, Emily, you know, I know Westlake. I want to do the big stuff, the expensive stuff. Right. <laughs> I, I, I want to go over here. And she kept telling me, everyone wants to go there and go do something else. Go do what's in your comfort zone what you know where your people are going to be buying and I was like yeah that's Westlake so <laughs> right. anyway fast forward uh maybe six months later there was another country and western singer his name was Gary Morris he did uh Wind Beneath My Wings was kind of one of his big songs that Bette Midler did and uh uh he was uh, Jean Valjean on uh, in Les Miserables uh, mm-hmm. anyway incredible guy incredible voice he owned 200 acres out on Lake Travis and uh he just, he told me, he said, Hey, if ever you find someone that'd buy that, uh, you know, I'll sell it for this price. It just kind of became a mission. I was like, all right. So I went and mentioned it in our sales meeting, another new agent in our office. She said, Hey, I think I've got somebody for that. We went out and showed it one time. It was 200 acres and they probably stood on three of those acres, Mm -hmm. looked at it and said, we'll buy it. (laughs) And so we came back and within six months, it was the biggest deal that had happened in Austin. And, you know, here I am, a 22-year-old kid that had just done this. And uh, at that point, the boss, Emily Moreland, she was like, you can go anywhere you want. You can, <laughs> you can sell what you want. Yeah. It's fine. And so um, that was 97, and that was right when Dell uh, stock was taken off and, you know, all the Dellionaires in town were making so much money. And here I am, this 22-year-old, young, full head of hair, good-looking kid, that's changed. You haven't changed much. These okay. days. <laughs> but anyway, all these housewives were like so happy to help this young, nice kid and get me yeah. off of my feet. And so um, I just kind of rode a great wave with using that and then, and then getting in with a bunch of these Dell families. Um, uh, and I just kind of rose to the top really fast. And it was incredible timing. I was just super lucky to have gotten in with one of those big deals with a Dell guy and my name got passed around Dell and my name, you know, got out there because of the country and western singers that I had helped and it was just it was just freaking luck. But uh but it sure worked out well. So here that, we are today. That's <laughs> awesome, yeah. I mean there's a you know, the famous quote that, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you are. Which would you agree with that in your Oh absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Have a better luck of finding it that way. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm kinda curious since you've been in the business for so long 
Has it always been kind of luxury, higher-end houses? Or have you ever done leasing or anything a little bit different? So when when I first got in it, I mean, I was chasing any deal anywhere. And so I was always going for the luxury stuff. Not so much because of truly wasn't the money. It was, I mean, that's, yes, a part of it. But that's just what I knew. I mean, that's kind of what I had grown up with. My dad was designing these incredible homes. My mom was selling them. My friends lived in them. And so that was just kind of what was in my blood. So when I would go somewhere like Millwood, I I didn't know the product, didn't know the houses, didn't know the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, I was out there trying to do... (laughs) Leases on campus condos. I mean, talk about a disaster. That's just something I knew nothing about and just chasing your tail to make a couple hundred bucks. But uh, what's kind of interesting, though, is over the 22 years, it's changed where, you know, I can do what I want where I want. I can sell any house anywhere these days. And so so I've kind of changed my slogan a little bit and say I, I try and pick people, not prices, because... Now, it's, it's just fun to work for good people. Right. If, if it's a $400,000 house or a $4 million house, I just want to work with fun people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work for the you know, jerks and people that are going to make life hard. Those right. are on all ends of the spectrum. They're not just rich people by any chance, by any uh, means. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I, I just want to have fun and feel good and, and have people appreciate what we do. So mm-hmm. That's awesome. very cool. Because I started uh, when I was 18 and then quickly, you know, my goal was become my own broker. You're obviously with a brokerage. Kind of curious your mindset. Like it's pretty impressive. I mean, I don't know the stats, but it's got to be a very small percentage of agents that stay somewhere over 15, 20. You said 22 years. I mean, yeah. even over five years, right? Yeah. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that? Like that's that's pretty cool that you stuck with someone. So I'm I'm kind of an old dog on this stuff, and um, when I wanted to get into business, to me, Moreland Properties was the place to be. I was. Uh, I was dating a ballerina all during high school and college, and so I was very involved in the ballet. Emily Moreland was on the ballet board, and I had several other friends that were on the ballet board. So I knew her through that. I just decided, you know, if I'm going to get into selling houses, Emily Moreland's my girl, and that's, that's who I need to go talk to. So I visited with her, and she said, no, I don't take new agents. Um, uh, you know, we need, you need experience to get in here, go do it somewhere else, then come in. And that didn't settle very good with me. So I had a bunch of my friends who I had washed cars for <laughs> that were also her clients uh, send her handwritten notes that were just like, you know, you need to look at this guy court. I think he's going to be something. And uh, I kind of didn't take no for an answer. So she called me and said, I'll give you a shot. And um, she took me when nobody else would. And it's the place I wanted to be. And it's still the best brokerage in town. So I know I've paid the debt 10 times over, but I just feel like I owe her debt and gratitude for letting me in and 22 years later i'm still working that off cool. yeah that's <laughs> super respectable hard to find these days yeah but i you know i've never got my broker's license which drives me crazy i need to just go get the test and do it because i want to say i'm a broker I, I don't like the name realtor <laughs> I'd, I'd rather say broker yeah i just uh i know my strengths and my strengths are in selling and and i'm a people person my i am a terrible manager Hirer, firer, <laughs> not my thing. And so right. I, I like having someone else do that. I just want to go sell houses. Yeah. Well, on the subject of kind of running into a wall, her not wanting to take you on originally, and then you kind of going around her, you know, and, and finding a, a new way. That's like the, the story of the entrepreneur. <laughs> um, do you have multiple stories like that through your career of like, you know, no, no, no. And you just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. You know, I did that when I was uh, younger, uh, just I needed all the business. I was chasing all the business. I wanted to get it. But uh, I've kind of learned, though, the 
the harder you push to make something happen, it's it's always kind of like like Mother Nature's trying to help you. If if it's not supposed to happen, it probably shouldn't happen. And so you know, I've always pushed too hard, and I get a listing, and I'm like, ah oh, man, like I didn't need to be tied up with these people. You know, we're not getting along. This house is not priced right, or uh, uh, you know, sometimes personalities just don't mesh. So again, you know, it probably took me 15 years to learn that lesson, but now I'm real big about just. If it was meant to be, you know, it's meant to be. And so I let things come to me and, and I go pitch them. If I don't get them, that's totally fine. I'll, I'll be the third listing agent, you know, right. <laughs> I get it when the stars are better lined up. So going back to when you first started in the real estate industry, at that point when you started, what was your career goal? Say when you were, you know, when you were young. When I first got in the business? Yeah. So there was a lady that was with Moreland in Lakeway, uh, Elaine Garner. And uh, I think she's now at Keller Williams. Or heck, she may not even be selling anymore. I'm honestly not sure. But uh, uh, Elaine was, there, there were two, um, uh, Elaine Garner and Tosca Gruber. And they were kind of the queens. But Elaine was the biggest in our office and, and Tosca was the biggest in town. And uh, I just used to look at what they did and was like, God, <laughs> I, I always remember I'm like, $3 million, that's 90,000 bucks. I'm like, if you... If I were making seven grand a month, you know, <laughs> that'd be insane. Yeah. And uh, and so I just would set little goals like that, and you know, very quickly they happened. And I remember when Elaine Garner sold twenty million dollars of real estate, and like our office freaked out. I mean, no one had ever seen a number like that. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, give me a few. Fast forward a few years, and you know, we blew that out of the water. So I've just always kind of set my pace, looking at other people, and and trying to just set goals for myself. So. Sure. Yeah. So um, carrying that throughout, you know, the rest of your career thus far, like has that been the, the trend of uh, never looking too far in the future and kind of keeping uh, your goals more. I guess keeping them as objectives really in short term. Yeah, my my broker every year we sit down and she's you know go what are your goals this year and she always gets upset with me because my goal is you know thirty million and she's like Cord you you did eighty million last year hundred million this past year <laughs> and uh, I'm like Emily I, I want to set a goal I know I can hit I sell thirty million dollars of real estate my I can drive the same cars eat the same food live in the same houses you know and we're all comfortable right. and uh, but I like to set goals that I know I can hit. I feel good when I hit them, and uh, I don't like to set some pie in the sky that I may not hit. Sure, yeah. That's really interesting because a lot of people who have a a strong drive, usually, I mean, I've seen sometimes, I wouldn't say it gets out of hand, but, you know, it keeps, the bar keeps getting higher where they can never reach the ultimate goal of everybody, which is happiness, right? And it seems like you've mastered that of where, you know, you set a goal where you know you can reach it, so you're always satisfied. Has that always been how you've been? Or was there a point in your career you were like, I am setting my, my bar too high, and I need to be content and enjoy the process? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Again, when I was younger, I, I used to set those big goals and high goals and would go for it. And I think when that really changed is when I had kids. And so... That was uh, 06, we had our first kiddo, and my whole life changed, as most people do when they have them. But um, I was just like, man, there's a lot more to worry about in the world other than money. Sure. And so um, I just kind of had a shift of, you know, still wanted to be very successful in what I do, but, you know, I don't need to go out there and squeeze every uh, every dime out of it. And I didn't want to let this business you know, get the best of me and take over all my time. So I always make it, a, you know, determined to get home by six o'clock and be there for the kiddos and enjoy more weekends. And, you know, in this business, the, the world can eat you up. I mean, they get off work. They want us to go to work. Right. Uh, weekends and holidays are all horrible. And so... Um, 
I really try and, and not get overrun by those and be there for the family. So that's what makes me happy. That's awesome. Man, I love that so <laughs> much. That makes me really happy. So, uh, you know, working in the real estate industry for as long as you have um, thus far, what has been like the number one thing that you've seen that has made you successful? Because I know there's like a ton yeah. of, you know, up and coming real estate <laughs> agents in Austin. There's a bunch of them. And, you know, networking is huge. And so what, I guess, have you seen, you know, over the course of your career that has been the number one thing that has really made you successful? Well, I think it's a bunch of things. It starts off to me with being born and raised here. I mean, I've got something that so few of us have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we know the town like the back of our hand. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a last name that has been known through my parents with houses and real estate. So I was handed that. And then it's just keeping your nose clean, being honest, being ethical. I try so hard to be friendly with every real estate agent. I look at real estate agents as my customers. They're the ones that are coming to my homes and selling my homes. And so I want them to want to come to my house and want to work a deal together. Mm -hmm. So I really try and keep those relationships friendly and fun and just let everybody know I'm a, I'm a good guy to work a deal with. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so that just kind of, I, I think, works well together and keeps people coming back. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, Austin's a small town and there's some other big towns people come from. It's easy to hide in or you can go be a disaster out in public and and get away with it, but uh, I, I, you got to be careful doing that here. So sure. I've tried really hard to uh, to keep my nose clean. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, you know, reputation is is a big deal, and you know, word travels fast. And like you said, you yeah. know, Austin is a is a sometimes it can feel big, but it really is a, a small town. Everybody sure kind of knows everybody. It seems like you you jumped in and started moving quickly. Where along the way, or, or was it just along the way that you got the kind of technical skills of real estate, just, just as far as understanding contracts and how to close a deal? Was that from your broker? So Moreland, when I joined him, didn't have any of those training courses. And so I learned that stuff on the fly. I was never worried about that stuff because people that are born salesmen, it's, it's born in you. And I mean, you know how to talk, you know how to sell. The paperwork is just something on the side. So I'd go out and kind of get the deal done, and then I'd run in and be like, Miss Moreland, help me here. <laughs> Here's <laughs> the know, terms. How do we yeah, figure it out? She'd help me fill out those contracts. And, you know, it's it's not that hard to figure those things out after you've got a few under your belt. So that stuff just came easy. Anyway, it, it probably took me a year to get those down. Yeah. Not much time at all. So do you know, do you know much about, like, wholesaling as far as real estate goes? Try me. Not much. but okay. <laughs> it, It's just interesting to me because... I don't know if it's been around forever or not, but basically it's it's this whole system where uh, people go and put a property under contract and they just basically assign the contract. Sure, sure. Um, and I was just curious if, if you've ever dealt with that as far as someone bringing you a contract that they didn't have the end buyer on, but then they were going to go and sell that contract to someone else. So you have funny timing in asking that because I have just taken, so a wholesaler came to me with a deal and I'm buying it. I ain't going to go out and flip it, and I've never done that, so oh, wow. uh, we're going to give it a shot. It's it, The money seems easy, and uh, it's a place up in Killeen, so you want to talk about affordable housing. I can't believe what you can get in Killeen <laughs> for man, $30,000, yeah. $60,000, $80,000, right. but anyway, so, uh, so, so we're going to work on one of those together now, but no, I've never... I'm trying to think in 22 years, a lot can happen, but uh, I might've had one person assign a contract, but it would have been kind of a more friendly, random deal. A right. uh, friend told a friend of something and they, they bought it from yeah. them. But, but I, I honestly don't know that I've ever had one. Okay. And I was just curious because to me, it seems like it's a newer thing. 
Um, yeah, and it, you know, it's it's tricky. I've, I've got uh, a, a good friend that that's what he does, and those margins are just so thin, and you got to know your stuff, and you got to be right on top of the market. And, you know, if something sits too long, you know, you're going to end up losing money on it. But those, those guys operate on thin margins. So that's just, I, I don't have the blood for that. Right. This girl I know from San Antonio bought a property for 800000 and then marked it up to one point two, and made four hundred thousand on a wholesale. Wow! And I, I know it's amazing. It, it's just, and it's interesting. I think about it all the time. This is kind of a different topic, but just real estate in general. Like for you as an agent, if you were to find a property below value, you're going to give that savings to your client. If oh, sure. If they're looking, whereas a wholesaler is like, let me put that under contract. How much can I mark it up to then make? Right. It drives me crazy. I see so many deals all the time that I know you could make money on, and. Uh, I always go out and try and chase people and talk them into doing them. And uh, I mean, we, we've we've made a lot of clients a lot of money doing those. But uh, it, so on that end of it, what I normally see are multi multi million dollar deals that that have a lot of juice in them. And again, you've got to have uh, uh, yeah. what's the word? You, you, whatever. You, you got to have a lot of ammo <laughs> to uh, to be able to buy a three or four million dollar house and hang on to it and see if you can flip it for a half million or a million. And, so, but no, we, yeah, we do that a lot. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Have you ever done that and it not worked out? No. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I, I think it must have been my first, maybe two years in the business. I remember I bought a lot on Lake Austin, 525,000 bucks on Westlake Drive. My father and I were going to do a spec house on it. We were like, I oh, will build something and sell it and see what we can do. And the market just turned on a dime and kind of took off. And so again, bought it for five twenty-five, and a guy offered us nine hundred thousand for it, and we were freaking out. Yeah. We're like, yeah. Anyway, it just resold for almost four million. So. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> it should have held on a little longer. <laughs> that's. I feel like that's it with anything. But yeah. I tell you, at what, I must have been twenty-three or twenty-four at the time, but to, you know, to make a couple hundred grand in a couple months was insane. Sure. Yeah. So being in Austin this whole time, you know, uh, the market has had a couple dips, right? How did that affect you during those times as far as, you know, the economy, you know, going down? And um, how did you really remain successful through that time? So I really lived through, um, I was going to say two, maybe three dips. I mean, one was the dot-com, was that 01? Sure, yes. Um, I think. And then um, in, of course, 08 and 09. Right. Um, and then the market took a little bit of a slowdown again in 12 and 13, and then it just has taken off ever since. But mm-hmm. But the, the big two, which were 2001 and 2008, it was interesting. What I have found is I enjoy a market turn because it thins the herd in our business. We have got too many people selling real estate in Austin. Too many people do it part-time, half-time. You know, it's, I like people that are all in and that are committed. Yeah. So um, when markets are good, everyone's jumping in and getting their license and they're listing the house with their neighbor next door that's you know never done it. Drives me nuts. When the markets turn, a lot of those people disappear. And what I found is when people start freaking out, that's when they start looking for the best realtors they can find because they got to get everything they can out of it and want to make sure you know they're on top of their game to sell the house. So in downturns, I've done very well. And again, my income takes a hit because people aren't all out there having fun. Sure. But, uh, uh, but I still find that we get a lot of business because it's when people need us the most. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, my takeaway from that is like when you go in on something, like really commit to it and be resilient through that. So like I know you're saying that, you know, there's so many people who think that, you know, they can sell their neighbor's house or what have you. You know, like I said, what I take from that is like if you want to sell houses and like sell houses and really commit to it, 
and obviously, you know, that's what you've been doing, you know, for however many years now. And so you were resilient through those tough times, really, which yeah. is awesome. Very, very awesome. Yeah, it's, I tell you, that, that 08 uh, was, uh, was awakening. That, that was a <laughs> big, major mess for all of us. Um, and, and, and that was the toughest, and it took a long time to, to come out of it. But uh, we had so many great clients that just, they needed help, they needed out of them. And so we were able to be there for them and, uh, and, and survive. That's awesome. But, yeah, so I started in 2012 in college, mm-hmm. um, so I've been doing it for a while now, but never experienced that downturn. So yeah, I'm glad you asked that because mm-hmm. I'm curious what that looks like. For us, I, I think it might be a little different because we do property management, and what I've been told from people is that management companies actually do really well. I would think so, um, yeah. So I'm kind of interested. You know, I don't really, it's funny, I used to say that I, I wanted a downturn because I'm, I'm big on trying to buy like rentals and stuff. And then the, the more people I talk to are like, no, you think you do, but you don't. You don't want to. <laughs> I don't know. I keep waiting on one. I'm always on the wrong side of Marty's. Like I always buy at the top and sell at the bottom. And uh, so uh, so now I've kind of got everything lined up. Where I'm like, all right, turn, baby, turn. Like I'm ready for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go out and throw the Lambo at something. But uh, no, I don't. I don't wish a bad market on anybody. But I tell you, if I could give give you any advice, it is just to to um, to salt some money down, as my dad always says. I mean. I was I was young, making fast money and spending fast money, and thought there's never going to be an end to this. And I mean, it's like a light switch when it goes off. I mean, it's overnight, everything changes, and it's a very scary thing to go through. So, uh, I didn't learn that lesson at all. It was like 2013 before I really got slapped with the reality of of what those things can do to you, yeah. and it's scary. So, uh, save all you can sure yeah <laughs> i can imagine even because that's at that point you had had or i mean you started having kids right and oh so- yeah what got really scary is in 2012 and again we felt the effects of this in 2013 but in 2012 my uh, bank called me and said uh, i got a certified letter from them and they said we're calling the note on your house uh your full balance 2.2 million is due in full in 90 days and I was like, what the hell? Yeah. So, you know, called them trying to figure this out. We'd never missed a payment. I mean, we were, that was the first bill we paid every month. I mean, sure. no matter what happened, we made sure that that got done. So um, we, uh, the uh, banks were still recovering from the crash in 2009. They were being super conservative. Um, our income was still being built back up from when 08 and 09 happened. But um, no bank in town would, would refinance my house. And so we were faced with, you know, we're going to be foreclosed on. for have, You know, we had money in the bank. We could afford the note. They just were calling it. Was that because there was a balloon? Payment? Sorry, I shouldn't know. I should have clarified that. They said, this was so crazy. They said the value of our home had dropped below some certain threshold. And that was it was 1.7 million. Our note was 2.2. So they, they said your, your home value has dropped below that. And, uh, and so we're calling it. And I was like, what, what do you mean? You, know, you haven't done an appraisal. They said, oh, we did a drive-by appraisal. <laughs> we know how good those are. Yeah. And if I remember right, I think they had it valued at 1.5. And I do this for a living. I was like, guys, my, my home is worth way more sure, <laughs> than yeah. what the note is. Right. So um, at the last minute, God bless Compass BBVA, they, uh, they came through and uh, the, one of their mortgage brokers um, got a deal done just saying, hey, 
Look at this guy. Look at more than just financial statements and, and everything else. Look at what he's done. Look at what his income is. We know he's going to pay his note. And and they took a flyer and refinanced me literally at the last That's, minute. I guess was that more of a commercial type loan? Like it was a uh, what do they call it? Private wealth management. And so that was with uh, Bank of America, who okay. I will never do banking with again. Oh wow! <laughs> um, but they uh, uh, it was in their private wealth management group. And they were trying to get rid of all these loans that were in the, these big private wealth groups. And so mine just happened to be in this. And they were literally looking for excuses to unload them, I was told. So wow. anyway. So somewhere in the long promissory note was like, it's got to be this value. Yeah, if it they, falls, make it up 30% or whatever the number was, wow. they can call it. Yeah, I don't think most so. people have thought of something like that because no, you're, you're current on your payments. But they just need the money for issues that they were going through, right? Yeah, so yeah, whatever reason, they were getting rid of it. But that was the scariest time in, in my life. I mean, just looking at where do we go? What do we do with our kids? How do we get a house? Because uh, no one would give us a loan then. We pulled out of that. So that taught me a lot. And I just thought, man, we're going to turn this ship around and start salting money down and saving it. I kept hearing my dad in the back of my head. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And that kind of, I mean, goes back to, you know, what I said at the beginning. With Everything happens for a reason, you know, and it was a... Um, I would say a good lesson learned during that time. As scary as that was, you know, a lot of people are uh, afraid to, you know, enter the uh, real estate industry um, to even buy real estate. And so, seeing the Austin market over the, you know, the last twenty years and going through uh, those two dips, it has continued to be on an upward trend. So even through those dips, remaining resilient and you know, kind of sticking it out, uh, you end up uh, on top at the end. Yeah. And, the, you know, our market's been going up ever since 2013. I've seen it just a nice, good, steady climb. So I don't know what it will take to make it turn, um, but uh, we're just kind of enjoying it while it's flourishing right now. So. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we've asked you some, you know, heavy questions. You've given us some great advice. So I kind of want to end on uh, a little bit of a, a lighthearted question. You know, being a local Austinite, growing up here, what is, you know, your favorite thing about Austin? You know, we have live music. You know, we have um, the outdoors. It's a very active city. Um, what is your favorite thing about Austin? It, to me, it would just be the people. And um, I'm not a big music guy. Um, I'm not a Mexican food guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I do like our barbecue, so yeah, I, I, I'll drive far and wide for that. But I just love Austin's people. Everyone here is so casual, so helpful, so nice. And um, uh, again, being born and raised here, we all you have so many deep relationships and deep friendships and there's just always a friend wherever you turn. But I, I constantly hear and see people moving here from other cities. Just can't believe how friendly everyone is uh, to one another. I always laugh. There's this one little intersection in Westlake. It's the corner of Westlake Drive and Redbud Trail. It's a four-way stop. And this client of mine was like, he was like, look at this. He said, you people are fighting over who goes next. <laughs> we were all sitting there like, no, 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 you go. No, yeah. you go. And, um, and that just kind of, to me, just uh, uh, really was what Austin was about. And so um, yeah. friendly folks, good people. That's what I love. That's awesome. I love it. Court, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, we really appreciate you coming out and giving us your time. For the listeners, how can they find out more about you if they don't already know? Man, well, I do a lot of stuff on Facebook, some might say. So cool. <laughs> you can follow me on there and always keep up with me and the kids and whatever shenanigans we're up to. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm at Moreland Properties. I'm always a phone call or an email away. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. No, happy to do it. Thanks for having me on, guys.